Not Quite Cool is a podcast that contains spoilers, opinions, and general nonsense. Listener discretion is advised. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us uh, with another episode of Old People Eat Food. Um, my name is Keith Brooks. I am here, as always, with Chad Dowdy. Chad, how you doing? Doing great. And I'm not eating anything right now, but, you know. So you're not eating old, old people. Yep. That tells you, you old people. You're a Yep. Uh-huh. And uh, here with us, as always, if he was a Marvel Comics character, he'd be called the Human Torture. It's Rob Prago. Uh, put away some wings? Is that what you're... Just testing out my new dentures, you young whippersnappers. These new wooden teeth are, you know, they seem to be uh, doing the job. You know, Keith, I'd call him Gilgamesh, the forgotten one, because, you know, <laughs> he's barely on the podcast. We forget about him all the time. Absolutely. And by also, barely, you mean you mean almost naked, because I'm not wearing any pants when you say barely, right? Gross, 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 gross. I have food here to eat, but I can't now because of that terrible image also i like the fact that not only is he an old person he's an old person from the 1800s where they stopped using wood for dentures you know what i mean i'm in george washington maybe where you live you know in the big city yeah. uh-huh not up here in those in the sticks in, in alpharetta well speaking of sticks let's get the show on the road before it falls apart like, like a house made of one um we got a lot of stuff to cover guys uh we know that we are the uh you know the source for all of your good news and takes on media so we're here to talk current to too yeah super current so today we're going to be talking about the first matrix film that's just joking uh we're going to go ahead and start talking about something that rob prago has a complicated relationship with uh we just witnessed the entirety of season three of the mandalorian now chad what were your feelings about the mandalorian either the last episode or the entire show whatever you want to talk about yeah well the season as a whole uh i, re I actually really like this season uh this season to me it felt like a truly a star wars show mm -hmm. a show set in the star wars universe not just kind of like a pocket of the star wars universe because i mean we've got you know mandalorian stuff of course there's battle droids. We're on Coruscant. There's clone stuff, the Empire, Rebels. There's Thrawn references. So I just felt like this is truly uh, like what I wanted from a Star Wars show and not just, you know, the Mandalorian off doing his own little thing on random planets we've never heard of, meeting random people and stuff like that. So I like the fact that it's incorporating the, the full world of Star Wars in it. And I thought it was a fitting ending uh, to the Mandalorian, you know, uh, the main Mandalorian, if it is, in fact, you know, the ending. I mean, they had it set up to where he can still do missions for the rebels if he wants to. But if not, you know, he's just chilling in his cabin with Grogu, you know, teaching him the ways of Mandalore. So, yeah, I really I really dug this season. Uh, obviously, obviously, it was not it didn't pack the punch that luke skywalker showing up at the end of season two did but it, but it still was a great finale just to seeing all those mandalorians fight the empire i i dug it i, I really did like this season i know that some people have been kind of like hot and cold on on this season but mm -hmm. uh i you know i liked it i didn't find as rob's probably gonna say later the dialogue being like horrible shut up chad <laughs> don't you steal my thunder <laughs> 
I just Shut remember up. what you said last time. I don't know what you're going to say this blah, time. Blah, 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 blah. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. <laughs> that was right but there. was better dialogue than Mandalorian Season 3, by the way. Oh, my yeah. God. Go write down another joke and then read it verbatim. Like you I'll be right back. Hold on. <laughs> and mess it up twice. I got, you're doing. I got some funny. I got the teleprompter out today, so I'm going to read my jokes last. Right Perfect. But, yeah, overall, dug this season. I, I liked it. Uh, you know, season four, is it gonna is it gonna follow Grogu and the Mandalorian? Is it gonna follow Bo Katan or other Mandalorians? So, you know, we'll see. But yeah, big fan of this season actually. Yeah, uh, awesome. Uh Rob, I'm sure you're gonna echo everything that uh Chad had to say. How are you feeling? Uh Keith, let me let me pose a question to you. Let's say you're you're casting a show, right? Um if you are actually on set engaging with the other actors, whether, the, you know, with a written script, but you're engaging with the other actors, um, will your work be better than if you're cast in a show, but you do all your dialogue when the season's over from a fucking recording studio somewhere on the planet? Where will your work be? Where will your work be better? Where will your dialogue be more grounded and realistic? You tell me. I mean, it be truthful. Not be truthful. Be truthful. Even being honest. Yes. I think <laughs> for me personally, through your teeth, Keith. No, for normal human beings, not not the person with the halo over his head right now. That fucking light behind your head. For me personally. For me personally, Kermit. I hate doing ADR, so I prefer that engagement one on one. Yes, but that, but that's not me. to say. That's not to say that there are actors whose entire careers are based on being that gotcha. ADR voice. So, so let's be clear. The actor. Let's be clear. Pedro Pascal. I almost said Pedro Morales, but that's a wrestler. Pedro Pascal, a phenomenal actor, was never on set season three. All his dialogue was done ADR, and his dialogue, and I'd get... And it has to do some of the writing, too, because so is Katie Sackhoff's. The written dialogue was terrible. Their dialogue was so flat and unengaged that, and I'm saying this because season two and season one were infinitely better than season three. More engaging, they were more alive, they were more spontaneous. Every episode, I'm sorry, not every episode. How many episodes were there, nine? Yeah, I think so. I'd say seven, six or seven of the episodes, their dialogue was so flat, bore, where everybody else in the show was out acting them. Everybody else in the show felt present and alive, and it felt like what was coming out of the mouth were, were human beings, and everything was so stiff and rigid coming out of them. Well, I'm not even joking to you. Boba Fett was an uneven series. But when Boba Fett was on the good side of uneven, Boba Fett, Boba Fett was infinitely better than this season of Mandalorian three, and that's I don't what the, think you the know what the word infinitely means. <laughs> what did I say? In, in, infinitely? infinitely? Yeah, I don't, I don't think you know what that means. But go ahead. Infinitely. infinitely. Well, so did I? Did I just? Did I hate the season? No. Was it? Did it? Did it take a really weird, boring turn? I'd say so. Was this was this was the finale good? Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, I just I was talking. I don't know if I was talking to you or Chad about this. They rush through storylines so quickly that the exposition dumps from every actor, every scene is just mind-boggling. Having to watch Moff Gideon exposition dump 
why he's there, what he's doing, instead of showing it, drives me crazy. They are littered with great actors and they're, they're George Lucasing them right now. Yeah, uh, the first three episodes, the first three movies, um, with just just exposition dumps, and it's it's not great. Do I want a season four? Yeah, this is what Osoka looks great. I'm glad Dave's getting his movie, and thank God. And I know you guys are with me that there's a second season of Andor coming. Huzzah! Here's here's the problems I have with everything you just said. You just don't understand the word infinitely. Oh, yeah. Well, you're oh, thinking, bizarre. yeah, you think that the first three episodes of Star Wars, the first three films are the only ones that suffer from exposition dump. But the prequels, no, that was natural David Mamet like dialogue. Get the fuck out of here. Secondly, you're oh, on such they- a, no, a no. personal level with Dave Filoni that like, I'm glad Dave's getting his movie. <laughs> but he's I'm been glad working- he's getting it. Yeah, I'm me too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, no, but this movie, this show was not great. I think the show's phenomenal. I think the show's great because it is you more know, Star Wars. It, it is. It's like super fucking Star Warsy. It's it's all about, you know, it's a children's story, and and, and this goes back to the roots of that. We are going on adventure. After I think there should be a. I think there should be a delineation, a delineation, delineation between a kid's story and a children's show. Because half the time, this show doesn't know whether it's for toddlers, children, teens, adults, or I don't know what the hell it's for. But every episode should begin with, this one is made for kids. So any of you adults can take the week off. Next week, we'll be back with an adult episode. But I think that is the power and the magic and a staple of television in general. You look at episodes of The X-Files, arguably one of the greatest shows of all time. Some of those episodes hit really hard, really dark theme, uh, you know, themes and stuff like that. And then some episodes are about donut shops with demons. And it's the most lighthearted thing you'll yeah, ever see. Yeah, but they're not. But, but, it, but it doesn't go from Sesame Street to so-and-so. Then I give you Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I give you Community. I give you all this history of television shows that continuously change their tone as they progress. Tone, yes, but not who their core audience is. I don't think Star. I don't think The Mandalorian. You lose, I win. I'm eating chicken wings. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't feel that it changed its core audience at all. I feel that it grew its wings a little bit and allowed itself to play outside of the box that it had put itself in. Almost in the same way that like Andor, which I know nobody here is a, sh- a fan of that show, but it felt <laughs> like the storytelling was capped off into like the first three episodes are one story, the second three episodes are a story, like that sort of idea. It almost uh, feel, feels like season one and season two of The Mandalorian were one style of storytelling. Now we're out of that Western thing. Now we're into our biblical phase. Now we're going to be talking about tribes coming back together. And more importantly, I feel that The Mandalorian just out marveled Marvel when as far as what it's making Star Wars become that all of these Star Wars shows feel so drastically different different but are cohesively building towards a larger universe to give us a bigger idea whether you disagree with Obi-Wan Kenobi being the greatest show of all time and you're you know you're insane if you disagree with that or or if you like Andor or Book of Boba Fett or whatever they all feel drastically different from one another, but each contribute to the Star Wars mythos in a larger scale than even the sequel trilogy ever did. And you know, when I order wings, I mix up the, the I, sometimes I get honey barbecue and sometimes yeah. I get lemon pepper. 
Sometimes I get mild. Sometimes I get, you know, all different flavors. I don't go from wings to uh, uh, being fed in a bottle. I don't. I don't go from <laughs> cereal to wings. Um, it's still. It's still within the same audience demographic. Listen, you're just lucky that I made an unbelievable combination of Sprite and peach lemonade because it is just delicious. So I'm in a good mood. And I'll let you, I'll look, I'll Are let, you, is this I'll what a good mood is? <laughs> I'll let you have your win. I mean, look, hopefully I'll let me. I'm letting everyone. All your, it's nice, and I know, look at you. You throw your tantrum and it's fun. And uh, I'm throwing to you. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm over here. Enjoying some delicious wings and some rice and some Sprite oh with pizza. God. You know, look, like I said, I, I hope there's a season four. I hope they get Pedro Pascal on set where you yeah. can actually have hands on and, and engage with people on set because that was absurd. And, well, you know, I'll just write that one off and we'll look, for, look forward to episode four, season four. Are right, you going to say, wait, real fast, Keith, I want to get this in because animated movies, they're not on set. So Ellen DeGeneres was not on the set of Finding Nemo, and it was an amazing, amazing voice performance. Uh, as far as I know, Bradley Cooper is not on set of Guardians right. as well. And you have never, I've never heard you once complain. I know you don't like animated movies, but several of these Marvel movies, they're not on set. So it's just that argument, I get what you're saying, but it doesn't always hold true. But well, it's also, we don't have to go to the Marvel movies. James Earl Jones was never on set for Star Wars, but he is Darth Vader. And like, his yeah, but was he really good? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I think I think that camp is split. <laughs> I've never in my life heard a person say Darth Vader was not good. <laughs> was he that good though? I mean, I look, I love it. I love seeing Zeb in uh in live action. That was super cool. I love all the Easter eggs they were throwing at us. I love the different directions that Star Wars is spreading. And that's going to take us into the next thing that we're going to talk about. Okay. Uh, because, yeah, clearly, uh, Star Wars has always been for adults. That's why we're going to talk about this next cartoon, Star Wars The Bad Batch, which just finished its newest season. Chad, what did you think about Star Wars The Bad Batch Season 2? This, this was an enjoyable uh season but it was pretty mostly to me uneventful not a whole lot really happened <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna, he's gonna throw another fit Hold yeah. on. listen not a whole lot happened except like at the end like the final <laughs> episode it's, yeah it's crazy stuff popped off in that but nothing happened in this season i mean it, it was fine like i said it was enjoyable and it was completely fine i felt like we were treading water most of the time the crosshair episode, which we talked about, was incredible. I love yeah. the crosshair episode. But nothing happened after that. Nothing has still happened after that. He's just, you know, laying in a hospital bed or whatever. Nothing is going on. Yeah, we had some deaths, some returns, things like that. But all of that, to me, just happened at the end. So, like I said, I enjoyed it. I heard that this next season will be the final season. So, we'll, so mm. you know, stuff's got to happen in that. Crosshair will probably join back up with them, but enjoyable season, but to me, uneventful. So, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Keith Brooks. Um, I host a show with two crazy people who don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Listen, that 
<laughs> I, I, I get like the, this season did feel like some freak of the week sort of playing, but we lost a member of the bad batch at like tech the is final dead. episode. Yeah. The final tech. episode. Do you think he is? Do you, do you believe no. him to be dead? No, not at all. Exactly. Um, okay. But also <laughs> Omega is trapped with, and I called it that this woman was another Omega Right. Uh, and so that's a whole other mystery that we have to sort of unfurl. I love the bad guy they introduced in the last two episodes, the creepy Joseph Mengele as doctor. I love when Star Wars doesn't forget that it serves wonderfully as a representative of something else. You know what I mean? And I think Star Wars and Star Trek both are at their best when they remember that that idea that, hey, Deep Space Nine can be about the Holocaust. We can just be about World War II and talk about those issues in a way that if we were you know, outright about it, people wouldn't listen to us. But now, because we have that veil of sci-fi, we can make those conversations happen. And I think that's awesome. And so I feel that with both Mandalorian and both and Bad Batch, we... There, there's some seeds that have been planted to bring up some interesting discussions, whether it be about the rights of droids, whether it be about the rights of clones, you know what I mean? And and that's a cool, interesting place for Star Wars to be where literally we can go anywhere in the timeline and foster these interesting concepts and ideas. I can't wait for a season three. Uh, I'm sure I'm going to cry because season two was intense. Has there been any rumors? The thread. I, I was going to say, I did like the thread yeah. of the clones, you know, and their rights and how yeah. their property of the empire, they were being decommissioned, if you will. Yeah. I, I did like that as a thread, but, but I, but I could have, I could have done with more with that. Hmm. Question. Has there been any uh, rumors about um, ultimately when we get down to Filoni's, when he does his end game, whatever he's doing, um, are they going to live action? Some of these bad batch characters, have that been rumors or because Zeb is Zeb, Zed or Zeb? Is it Zeb? Zeb. What was he from again? What Zeb's from which show? Rebels. Rebels. Okay. He was okay, it wasn't Bad Batch. Okay. Gotcha. Because that was actually really good. I mean, the Zeb effect, I thought, the Zeb moment. Great. And I wasn't, I, I had no connection. I just thought that itself was cool. And then happened to hear in commentary later on what he was from. I would I was a little frustrated. They didn't bring him back. They were in that bar a few times. You know, come on, man. Rule of threes a little bit here. What are you doing? What's uh well, Let's I mean, I think with there. so much of, and you know, we'll talk about the Ahsoka trailer later, but so much of Ahsoka is, feels like Rebels, another season of Rebels, because you have all those characters coming from it. And so you it kind of feels like, it. it feels like Filoni is like, hey, I, I invented all of these toys. Let me come play with them. And I honestly feel that because Bad Batch of where it's set chronologically in, you know, it's so far away from the Mandalorian because Bad Batch is before A New Hope. Mandalorian is after Return of the Jedi, right? So, time-wise, oh, is it is it off? Is it significantly off? Yeah. So, okay. but time-wise, I think though you could, if the Bad Batch characters show up, they would be roughly Tamora Morrison's age. So that kind of works pretty well, right? You know what I mean? So maybe in that movie, we'll find. I see there's a lot of people like screaming for uh, Captain Rex or somebody to show up in in one of these things, and I'm I'm down for that. I think the more connectivity you give me. You're doing it right. You, you're you're not like I love the idea. You're not explaining it, but you're also not painting us into a corner where we have to. These characters are just who they are. It's a continuous story, you know. So I dig it. 
but speaking of continuous stories, let's talk about a sequel that just came out on Netflix starring Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston. This is Murder Mystery Part 2. I saw this. Chad saw this. Rob, did you watch it yet? I'm so mad at myself for not having seen this yet. My apologies. Yeah, we're, we're all mad at you for it. Uh, Chad, what did you think about Murder Mystery 2? This is totally fine. Uh, you know, I like the first one. I like this one virtually the same, you know, it's the same shtick. I do like Sandler and Aniston's chemistry. Um, you know, they make a good married couple. Um, it's just, it's just sort of funny, you know, in places it's not, you know, knock you over. I mean, it's, it's just enough, literally just enough to keep my interest. Like it's, it's fine. I, I like it just fine. I wouldn't heap a lot of praise on it. I wouldn't say it's terrible, Yeah, uh, but I enjoy it just fine. I I think it's interesting. Like I really liked, I've only seen the first, I saw the first two both like right back to back when the second one came out. And uh, in the first one, I had an issue with, I didn't believe Sandler and Aniston's chemistry until about halfway through the movie. Like it just felt like these people don't like each other for the vast majority of the movie for me. Maybe that was the purpose, but in the second one, I was on board the entire time. Mark Strong was a wonderful addition to it. Um, super, I, like I had a lot of fun. It, it it's not going to be a movie I get tattooed onto my ass, but I really liked it. Like I enjoyed it. It was it was fun to watch. You uh, on the special edition Blu-ray? Oh, definitely, definitely. <laughs> I'll borrow. Uh, it. Yeah, you echoed really. That was scary. Um, <laughs> yeah, but now you know, going from murder mystery sort of tells you what the genre it is. Let's talk about probably one of the greatest action movies to ever be created. Obviously, I'm talking about Super Mario Brothers, the movie. Chad, I know you watched this. How did you feel? Did you feel that it was a him, Mario? Do you feel this was an all-star party? Did you feel this was a, a super world that we were going into? Uh, Rob, are you super mad you haven't seen this one yet, too? I'm livid. <laughs> Thank God. I can stuff my face with chicken wings so you won't hear the burst of anger. I don't even know what the hell the show is about. I literally, it falls in a place. Well, it's not a show. Where, it's a movie, but okay. I know it exists as a game. I just, it fell in the gaps, man. I'm, I'm happy for it. I'm glad it helped. I'm glad it helped the theaters. That's the way you die in the movie and the game. You fall in the gaps. That's right. not good for you. He secretly knows all about it. He's just playing. That's right. right. I'm a Mario. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> oh, it's... This was a perfect video game adaptation, uh, as perfect as any video game adaptation I've ever seen. It's not copying the exact story from the game, but there's so many games that you can't copy the exact story anyway. But they took elements from a lot of the games, mm -hmm. you know, for Mario Kart, uh, Luigi's Mansion, you know, uh, the regular Mario stuff, Mario 2. Like, there's so many awesome moments. Yeah. Uh, Donkey Kong. You know, there's so many awesome moments that pays homage to the entire history of Mario. And plug for you, Keith, you know, you're doing your series on your YouTube channel, playing every Mario game from the beginning. So uh, I know you're kind of like maybe three or four games into it, but you, you've already seen a lot of the stuff yeah. that you've covered in the game as far as, you know, uh, Donkey Kong's dad, things like that, you know, that may not be as prevalent, as, you know, that other people may see when they just play the regular Mario game. But I just, I just thought this was perfect. Uh, it, it combined it all perfectly. Jack Black was hilarious as yeah. Bowser. 
<laughs> he's awesome. His his Peaches song that he wrote himself was incredible. Uh, Anya Taylor Joy is pitch perfect, yeah. perfect princess. I I just this movie's gonna make a billion dollars. Yes, I want it. I want five sequels of this. Let let's keep it Instantly. going. Instantly, yeah, it is awesome. It's perfect. And yeah, this is a movie to Rob's point from earlier. It is for little kids, but it's also for somebody my age. It, it's a perfect video game adaptation. You can you can argue that Last of Us is a perfect video game adaptation, but it's different. Last of Us is more of a direct adaptation of the video game. Yeah. This just brought everything together in a way that I can't explain. I, I thought it was an awesome film. I felt well, like no no go ahead go ahead i was no but it's it's after your conversation it's about what's next in this that universe because i know they have other properties nintendo i didn't know if there was something uh, else yeah I, I don't think they've announced anything specifically um but i look this was a blast i i do think it is important to remember it is for kids and I think it is for adults, but not in the sense that like a lot of animated movies try to make jokes that only adults will get, but are sly enough that the kids, there's none of that here. It's just like pure joy. And I think one of the things is that Mario, for for a person my age, has always been a prevalent part of my life. You know what I mean? He's always, he he's Mickey Mouse for the past hundred years. He's just always sort of been there. And so it's hard to imagine a time prior to that and having a character that's that long lasting, there's so much baggage that comes with it. But they found a way to lovingly make this character appear on screen from the littlest things of having Charles Martinet voice his dad and the other guy you beat in the Italian uh, pizzeria, whatever, to having the way Mario runs is straight out of the fucking game. And it's such a weird way to do that, but it's uh, such a clever homage. Um I think the storyline, it's simplistic, but it it works really well. They change a couple of things like uh, Donkey Kong in the video games. The Donkey Kong with the tie is the grandson of the original Donkey Kong. And in this, they simplify that and make it the father-son sort of combo. But I thought Fred Armisen, like, I didn't know that was him as Donkey Kong. Like, that that was crazy. That was insane. Um, Yeah, I had a blast. I like the post credit scenes. It seems like if they're whatever they're going to do next, it's going to be Yoshi centered. um, And that's super cool. Uh, Yeah, I I I thought it was wonderful. It it really and I thought Chris Pratt did a great job. Like, I really loved his Mario. He had a different it was a different character than I'd heard him do. The Brooklyn accent was subtle, but there they had references to the live action movie. It was just a love letter to Mario in general. so really, I, I had a. I wonder if they can do it again. I hope they can. It's often hard to you know catch lightning in a bottle twice, uh, but that brings me to my next film that I want to talk about, which is Shazam. I was going to say you can guarantee they're going to do more. I mean, it's, it's going to make over a billion dollars. It's going to do a billion and change. So Christ, they're already. Yeah. And that's why I was asking if you'd heard any rumors because they're definitely. I mean, they're. You got to think they're fast tracking the shit out of a, a handful mm-hmm. of these things because. Yeah, that's that's pretty impressive. Mario's their biggest property, obviously. He's their flagship character. But as far as Nintendo goes, they still have some pretty big characters, you know, that are just the Nintendo pantheon, like Link from Legend of Zelda, Metroid, Pokemon. Mega Man. Pokemon. Yeah. yeah, so they have they have some big time characters, but Mario is He's the guy. You know, no pun intended, the gorilla in the room, you know, as far as that goes. But I think it's also very interesting, too, because after the live action Mario movie, 
there was a strong resistance from Nintendo about letting anything be adapted without their hands specifically on it. You know what I mean? Um, I think Miyamoto, the, the guy who created Super Mario and most of these characters from Pac-Man's ghosts to Donkey Kong and all that stuff felt personally burned by that experience. So it's been 30 years since they've wow. tried, you know, um, but yeah, but I, I think they did a great job uh, of adapting something that was so childlike into an adult thing, which brings me to the movie that I already had a perfect segue for, but I did it again <laughs> twice. Shazam 2, Fury of the Gods, uh, which Chad and I saw. Rob doesn't understand I'm the purpose. I'm furious I haven't seen this. The Fury of the Rob. Fast and Furious 7 that I haven't seen this. Mine was better because mine was actually about the movie we're talking about. Uh, I also feel that Rob forgot what the purpose of this fucking podcast was. I thought it was a food podcast. I forgot we were talking movies. Literally comic book movies is uh, like our poster and you're just not going to see them. Uh, Shazam Fury the Gods. Chad, what did you think while I eat a crab rangoon? Rob told me uh, several weeks ago, he was like, man, I'm just really getting burned out on all these pop culture comic book movies and shows. And I was like, well, that doesn't bode well for the podcast that we did. If you're not going to watch anything. I can support you guys in your quest. What a weird podcast idea. We talk about movies and an old man eats hot wings and yells at us. I think it's genius. I get to enjoy myself. Every now and then I burp up an opinion and you guys keep going. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, it does help that we can actually make fun of him as opposed to making each fun of each other, Keith. So I, yeah. I, I kind of mm -hmm. like I'm a good punching bag. Kick away. Mm -hmm. Yep. Like totally. Shazam was a lot of fun. Uh, it was very funny. Uh, you know, this, uh, there's a moment in this movie, which kind of hit me in a weird way. When uh, the entire Shazam family shows up at the bridge to like save all those people. And it's like four or five of them flying with capes. I was thinking like, have I ever seen that in a movie before? Like, you know, Avengers people fly and you know there's these other movies where people fly but like is this the first time in live action I've seen like several people in capes like flying and it was like I don't know it just felt like the biggest comic book brought to life for me I was like mm -hmm. this is awesome it was super cool that it was you know a family of capes flying to save the day and then that that scene was incredible it was so yeah. funny with the way they were all acting you know themselves Adrian Brody was to me, he was the he was Adam, awesome. Adam Brody, not Adrian Adam Brody. Brody. You're correct. Adrian Brody's the <laughs> very the different Oscar nominee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Adam Brody is awesome. Uh, you know, playing the kid, he's so funny. I dug it so much. I tell you though, what I have a hard time with and I don't like about the movie is the young girl. She transforms into super hot Megan Good, and I don't like that. I don't like the, the the little girl transforming into like ridiculously a weird. hot. It's a little weird, a little kind of. It's a little dark. weird because you know Megan Good's like ridiculously hot, and she's our our age. So you know, but again, she's still acting like very childlike, you know, like an eight year old or something like that. But no, I, I dug this movie a lot. It, you know, it, to me, it sucks that it didn't really do anything at the box office. I think that is a lot of it because of the reboot news and stuff like that at DC. But, you know, the way I look at it is, you know, you know, you don't know for sure, like most movies, that there's going to be a sequel, yeah. or that there's going to be another piece of it, but we still go to those movies. Yeah. You know, yeah. when, when we, we go to see John Wick, we go because it looks cool. You know, we didn't realize there's going to be four, three more John Wicks, spinoff movie, spinoff TV show, you know, 
and so we still go to these movies. So I don't like that idea of, well, this, this movie is not going to mean anything, so I'm not going to go see it. Yeah. So, because it does mean something regardless, it's still a movie, just like all these standalone movies are. So that's a little mini rant on that. I wish it made more money, but I agree. I that's just one of the things that is one of the things that these universes have kind of damaged a little bit and, and a little similar to, you know, these shows now on the streaming services, they'll, I know people who won't watch a, a, a first season of a series till they know there's a second season, which is a little weird. I mean, growing up, you know, you you watch what came out, you know, and then if it was good enough, it earned a second season. So there's a little bit of that with the binging with with the binging model too. So it's a, a little bizarre. You know, I can see it. I understand what you're saying with the shows too. I can see it a little bit. It depends on the type of show because some shows, if it's a type of show where you're not going to really get resolution, then I can see how you might be hesitant to start it. But a movie, for the most part, should have a beginning, middle, and end. So you're going to get a finish, whether or not they make a sequel, whether or not it's part of a shared universe or anything like that. A comedy show, yeah, watch that first season, no problem. But if it's like, you know, this massive, like if Lost, for example, was just, you know, it got canceled after the first season, that'd be crappy, you know, if you spent your time watching Lost because you don't get to the it Now, People can argue that the lost the lost ending didn't you know pay off anyway, but beside that's beside the point that I'm trying to make as far as the show aspect is a little bit different. But I also think that you know this is such a a specific moment with so many things going against it. Like a, I think they they dumped this movie in a weird time like period uh, for it to come out in theaters. It showed a lack of confidence. The marketing campaign, I thought, was shit. Uh, I think the damage of the reboot affected it. I think the fallout from Black Adam and Dwayne Johnson affected it. And to be honest, it's one of my favorite movies from the DCU. I think it's better than the first Shazam. Like, I thought it was just a blast. I had so much fun watching it. I think there's there's two cameos by Wonder Woman. The second one is meh. First one, I thought was brilliant. I thought it was hilarious. Um, I still every now and then feel the disconnect between Zachary Levi and the guy who's actually playing Billy. Right. Uh, um, but other than that, Helen Mirren uh, and Lucy Liu were fucking incredible in this. They got the Shazam guy from uh, the old show. They got the fucking right. RV from the old show. You gave me everything I wanted. Right. And it was just and even still, you let Sandberg like have those moments where he could direct something that felt gut-wrenchingly horrifying the uh on when uh troy baker what happens to his character was horrific to watch and so and you're going from this light moment to all of a sudden this guy kills himself in front of all these kids and it's just this horrifying this man's a horror director even the handling of the unicorns it was fantastic you know what i mean uh, i loved right. all that it's interesting I, I was talking to chris mckay um the director of Renfield and Tomorrow War, and we, he was talking about how Spielberg directs all of his movies like a horror film because that principle of the setup to the reward, it's the same thing that we have for jokes, right? So oftentimes you have these horror directors coming in and they get how to tell a story because they understand the, the basic principle of a setup reward. And that's what superhero movies are dependent upon. So uh, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was great. Uh, I think it's a shame that more people didn't go out and see it. So uh, that well, you know, I'd say that you, to your point about uh, Zachary Levi and the kid actor, uh, to me, I'd put that, I mean, it's obviously direction and things like that. 
But to me, I think when you have Zachary Levi playing what he's playing, he's the main thing. The kid, they have to alter the kid's performance to be more like Zachary Levi. I I wouldn't put it the other way around because that's where a lot of the humor comes from is, you know, these kids are suddenly adults with superpowers. It's very funny and they're acting the way they're acting. And you're 100% right that the kid didn't. But I thought that like, that's why I really enjoyed Adam Brody Mm. because it did match pretty well, especially when you consider the the kid you know has a crutch and now he's even like you know he's got superpowers so he's even going to be more Brackert, so yeah I, yeah i really love the scene on the roof you know when he's when adam brody's talking to the girl about you know how awesome the, the kid is or how he's yeah. the the best one yeah so i dug this movie a lot i liked it a lot like you did Keith. and and i think she did a great job the the younger sister because i mean i think she's been in one thing prior to this west side story directed by steven spielberg and now she's toe-to-toe with Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu. That's your second movie? Like, Jesus Christ. But you were still able to hold your own. And I love just seeing all of these characters together. What a wonderful party it was, which brings me to our next movie, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Uh, Chad and I saw, Rob, I don't know if you and your D&D friends got to go. I got to go to the movies more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chris, Chris Pine, uh, what's his name from uh, Bridgerton? Uh, Michelle Rodriguez. You do that every time with him, you act like you don't know that guy's name because <laughs> you're secretly in love with him. What is this, John every Paul time, Reg? That one guy. That one guy. Uh, I don't know. Every time. Every time. Chad, would you? Why don't you roll for dexterity and tell me what you thought about D and D? So, unlike some of this stuff, like Mario, which Rob has no connection to, you know, he's, not gonna, he's not going to have any connection to the movie. D and D, he also has no connection to really, but. I don't think you have to have a connection to D and D to th- this movie surprised me. Uh, you know, obviously going on the other bad D and D movies there have been, and they are not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, granted we have uh, Chris Pine in this movie. He's always good. He's de- definitely doing his Chris Pine shtick in this movie. It works. You don't have to know about Dungeons and Dragons to appreciate this movie. There are certainly some great Easter eggs moments. Uh, if, you know, if you play Dungeons and Dragons or you like Dungeons and Dragons, you know, uh, again, I texted you, Keith. I think uh, there was a nod to the old the school show. Saturday morning cartoon. I mean, yeah. That's awesome. But it didn't, it wouldn't mean anything if, you, if you know, if you didn't know about it, it didn't take away from anything in the film. But I just thought it was, I thought it was very clever, very funny. And it could be, because of my expectations, I was expecting it not to be good, but I enjoyed it. I had a blast. Yeah, me too. Like I, uh, I, you know, I don't, I know a little bit more about D and D than probably Rob does, but I also probably know a lot more, more stuff about stuff in general than Rob does. Women. So, yeah, uh, life acting. What's the difference? Women, D and D. You roll both. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I, I really love the the guys that direct this Goldberg and and um what's what is whatever his name is the guy from Bones I think they're amazing I think they have a really great sense of humor um and I think they're really talented at what they do and so some of those inclusions of those things that I did know from D&D were fantastic plus the chemistry of all of these people from Justice Smith to the chick from it were incredible like um and Hugh Grant oh my god how much fun was he having yeah it was hilarious Bradley Cooper what the fuck was that that was awesome to see him in there and like yeah so so many great moments I the only nitpick I have 
is I wish Chris Pine's songs would have been better. Like, that's the only thing I can say. You know what I mean? Like when he sang. Um, well, that was one of the funniest moments when he was the distraction. Yeah. He was playing the lute. And then like his face started melting because it was like a fake Chris. That, that was so funny. Absolutely. I just wish the songs would have been a little bit more catchy. That, that's the only thing I got, you know. Um, but I thought this was a great introduction to that D&D world. I really dug it. Uh, and it felt like a world that had existed for a while, which brings me to the next thing I want to talk about. The fourth installment in this epic saga. This is John Wick Chapter 4. Oh. I think all three of us saw this, or Rob just has been at home for a long time. Uh, Chad, what did you think about John Wick 4? This movie's wild. You know, it's some of the coolest fight sequences I've ever seen yeah. on screen. Uh, it's incredible. You know, each person that appears in this movie is, like, instantly my favorite. Like, everyone is super freaking cool. You know, you got Scorpion from Mortal Kombat. Scorpion's daughter, then Mr. Nobody, uh, then Scarzard's henchman was pretty cool, and then uh, Donnie fucking Yen. Like, it's amazing the people in this movie. Donnie fucking awesome. Yen was incredible yeah. in this movie. Yeah, it was awesome. And this showed the Fast and the Furious people how to hit people with cars. That's how you hit somebody with a car, and you do it multiple times. It was done so well. Again, Fight choreography, incredible. Like, mm -hmm. I loved it. And, you know, it kind of reminded me of Mad Max Fury Road in, the, in a little bit in the sense that it was unrelenting. It never let up. And it was just almost action from the first moment all the way to the end. It was, it was nonstop. You didn't almost have time to catch your breath most of the time. Uh, but, yeah, a big fan. I, yeah, I dug it. Yep. Don't you dare compare it to Mad Max Fury crap. I hated that fucking movie. This well, movie. Well, speaking of the inability to catch your breath, Rob, yeah, tell us what you thought. <laughs> I almost, almost coughed up a chicken wing there. What the hell? Um, what a blast this fucking movie is. Every fight, and it was it was well, obviously wall-to-wall -wall fights. Every fight scene was different. Every fight scene, whether it was different weapons, different styles. Look, Donnie Yen needs a spinoff. <laughs> I mean, I, Scar's Guard. Is a good actor. I've never been a huge fan of his work. I mean, he, yes, he was good in it. And I, I've seen him in a lot of things. I was, I've never really been, to me, this was, I, I thought his work here was phenomenal. I thought he was so understated and menacing. And I, did, I just didn't think I was going to buy him as a serious threat. And I, he was great. It was, it, I think it's the most beautiful movie I've seen in God knows how long. It's so breathtakingly shot. Um, I, I was about to joke earlier that I think the best video game adaptation ever was this movie because I thought they were doing Frogger. The, the scenes in the streets where they were trying to get across the street and getting hit by the fucking cars, I was belly laughing. I thought it was, I, it was so good. It was funny. Them just fucking getting slammed by cars all the time. I was like, holy shit. And it was seamless. And it's how, I know the director, Leach, I, I, there, were, there were two of them originally, but which one's doing it now? I think Chad uh, something. Stelsky. I'm sorry, Stelsky, yeah. yeah. I know he's he is just, uh, they're lining up to sign him up for different things. He's attached to quite a few, but I mean, breathtaking. I know we'll get to the, the, the trailer for the Continental, but we'll, we'll talk about the problem is how breathtakingly shot the movies are. And then you see the trailer for the Continental. I was like, all right, 
you know, it's, you know, it's not the same. It's just, and not that it has to be obviously a different time period, but it's so clear that it's what, what a difference the eye of a specific filmmaker. And it's, it's so, it was so entertaining. It was that the, the scene up and down the stairs at the end. Yeah. It's my favorite. I mean, when they knock him down again, you're like, what the fuck? I, I was like, it was maddening. I was like, you're on the edge. You see maddening. I was like, you gotta be shitting me. I literally, it was, it's awesome. Yeah. Fucking awesome. Yeah. It was so good. <laughs> it was, it was such an interesting experience. Cause I'm watching it about halfway through I'm just thinking to myself, I could watch Keanu Reeves do these for the rest of my life and be happy. And then you like might have taken that away from me. You know what I mean? Like at the end of it, I I had such a blast and and I loved the characters they created. Donnie Yen was amazing. Oh, I loved so Scott Atkins was so the fat fun. suit. Awesome. Oh, yeah. It was incredible. And he was what just a having ball. a ball. He was, he was having yeah. a ball. An absolute fucking ball. Clancy Brown. Like it's just and, and, and the thing I like about these movies is that a lot of the times the actors they're getting are just the good ones. It's not the popular ones. It's Peter Stormare. It's it's Lawrence Fishburne. It's like people that can fucking act. And they're just letting them do the work. And not just any stunt guy. They're getting the best of the stunt guys. Every moment is just work. great. Every moment between two actors is just... whether what, the, the, the actor who passed away, I just forgot his name. I hate that I... Um, Lance Reddick. Lance Reddick. Whether it's the, them just at the at the... Right there at, at the uh, the desk, or wherever it's just boom, two great people going toe to toe, always, always. And it's, and it's so like I just wish let Keanu Reeves just keep doing that, keep giving me John Wick movies, file in great actors and great stunt people. I don't need all these spinoffs. I just need Keanu because he's the anchor for it that drives me, and I fucking love it. Um, as I was going to say, they should do. They should. I was thinking they should be doing. What Cruz is doing with Mission Impossible because he's getting older is shooting like two back to back, just to have one yeah. for a couple of years down the road. But fuck, well, I'd like to see the two of them buddy up as older guys, just riding their motorcycles and getting into shit. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, and you know, and I love the fact that it is balls to the wall action pack. We don't have to contemplate internal feelings. But speaking of what's inside, that takes me to the next movie I want to talk about: Inside, starring Willem Dafoe. Um, this is an art house movie about Willem Dafoe plays an art thief that gets trapped in somebody's apartment during a job. It is a wonderful masterclass in acting. I think towards the end, it gets a little bit artsy fartsy, uh, even for me, but it is a great, it's a good watch. It, it makes you feel like the world is cramped. Um, but Willem Dafoe is incredible. I'm just going through some of these that I saw that you guys didn't um, knocking a couple of these out. Brings me to my next one, Creed 3. I had started talking about it. Uh, I hadn't finished it yet. I'd watched a screener and I loved it, but I'm not going to say anything more pending what happens with Jonathan Majors. Uh, moving on to the next one. Uh, this one Rob's probably very familiar with 65. I think it took place around his uh, uh, time of his childhood. Right around the corner, baby. Yep. Um, so uh, Adam Driver, 65. I know Chad had talked about it before. It was fine. It was a good, it was a dinosaur movie. I liked it. I, you know, I think our own expectations, we've been spoiled with like movies with epic twists and this doesn't have really an epic twist, uh, but it's still a good movie. Adam Driver's a good little action star. There's a scene where he pops his arm back in place and then like kills a weird ass Tyrannosaurus thing. And I was like, that's the most fucking hardcore thing I've ever seen in my life. That was epic. I loved it. Um, Reed Rich is coming up. Yeah, yeah, probably. Well, well, let's, uh, let's put that out in the air. Speaking of the next movie I saw, Air. 
um, directed by Ben Affleck, <laughs> uh, starring Matt Damon uh, and uh, Michael Jordan. It's got Chris Tucker. It's got a lot of wonderful people in it. It's a very great, lighthearted movie. Like, I, I mean, it's interesting because I never thought I would be on the edge of my seat for a movie about a shoe deal where I fully know how it turns out. But he did such a wonderful job of prolonging it. Uh, yeah, it's good filmmaking. It's great filmmaking. His Ben Affleck's acting is the worst part of the movie. And it's not that he's bad. He's not bad in the movie. It's just all the other characters are more interesting. Marlon Wayans is more interesting than Affleck's character. And he purposefully makes it that way. So there's some great uh, comedy. Yes. There's some great moments of drama. The soundtrack, Jesus Christ, cost more than any house I've ever lived in. So it's epic. It's just wonderful. Um, I'm, just glad, I'm glad Chris Tucker's just working again. I'm glad yeah. he's back doing movies. He's great. Nice and he's guy. got a great character in this one, too. So it's it's really, you know, for a while he ghosted us, but now he's back. That brings us to the next movie that Rob's going to talk about, Ghosted, because uh, I, I think he watched it five times today. Is that right? I love this movie. It's my favorite movie of all time. I, I, there's a special place in my heart for a silly, romantic action comedy. I'm the one I'm the one guy on the planet who enjoyed Night and Day with Tom Cruise and Cameron Diaz. This is like my latest Night and Day. I I literally smiled and giggled, laughed out loud a few times. I enjoyed the shit out of this two-hour movie, Rob. I Anna de Armas is breathtaking. I, 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 I you know Chris Evans is just charming, having a ball. There's there's a there's quite a few really good uh, setups in this thing. The action's okay, but the setups and the interaction's great. But there, there's like four or five cameos in a row, which, if you know who Chris Evans is, then you you can probably guess some of the people who pop in at a certain moment. And it's done. I thought it was very enjoyable. It's on Apple Plus. Just dropped. Um, turn your brain off. Have a good time. Smile. It's is it the greatest filmmaking of all time? No, Dexter Fletcher directed this though. So I really, when I know that, I go. Maybe it could have been a little better, just the way it was. Ah, fuck it. But it, I just, I enjoyed the shit out of it. I really did. So have fun awesome. watching Ghosted. Yep. And local uh, Atlanta actress Jordan Blair Brown is in it as well. So yeah. that's awesome. Um, yeah. So sink your teeth into that. But that takes us to the next one that we're going to talk about. Um, directed by Chris McKay. I know Chad and I saw it. Um, I've seen a lot more of it than Chad has, but that's his personal experience. I would even want to go see this. Exactly. Um, some people are dying to see it. That's Renfield starring Nicolas Cage, Nicholas Holt, Aquafina, Josh Michael, uh, Jenna Cannell, uh, who else? Ben Schwartz. A lot of people. Um, Chad, what did you think about Renfield? Well, unlike Rob, I saw it because I support the co-hosts of this podcast. Look so, at that. Chad, yeah, were you in this? Is this your latest? Is this your latest movie since Conspiracy? <laughs> I did one after that. I did uh, Blood Ties. What about, about zombie invasion? You're also you're also in that one. Uh, yeah. So Riffield, Doug was the standout character. Yeah, he uh, was played by Keith Brooks, our very oh. own Keith Brooks. Not enough Doug, as far yeah, as I'm concerned, I in this movie. But uh, you were great, Keith. Seriously, you, it was really funny. You. And what I did like about it is you were a running joke throughout the film. You know, mm -hmm. so that was good. I, I like that. Nicholas Cage, uh, I, I really liked his take on Dracula. I thought uh, he was very uh, menacing, but then funny at times and just just wackadoo. It, it's kind of like if Nicholas Cage is playing Dracula, yeah, that's what you would expect, and that's what you got. So I, I like that aspect of it. I love the uh, 
the flashbacks to like the original Dracula movie. And it's just like kind of Nicolas Cage doing his Bela Lugosi thing there. Mm -hmm. I love that stuff. Uh, Some of the jokes landed, some of the jokes didn't. Overall, I enjoyed the movie. Like it was fun. Uh, It was, you know, more gory than I expected. Yeah, for sure. I was not expecting that level of gore. Doesn't turn me off at all. You know, I I watch gore all day long. Um, But yeah, that was a little surprising. But yeah, I mean, it's hard to go wrong with Nicolas Cage playing Dracula. Absolutely. Yeah, I love his Dracula. I think he did such a great job. To me, there's one pivotal scene where Cage and Holt are in a, um, they're in an apartment and yeah. th- that confrontation scene is so funny, but it's also so like, that's the heart of the movie. You know what I mean? Um, and it, the movie is about toxic relationships, but just through this guise of the Dracula story. And I thought the action was super fun. It's the same guy who did all the action for Daredevil and Ant-Man and the Wasp and all that stuff. Um, and yeah, that Doug guy sure has got a big dick and he's sexy. So, uh, well, if it, you know what? The movie would have been a 10 out of 10 if it was actually called Doug instead yeah. of Renfield. But. Yeah, Dougula is going to be the sequel. Um, <laughs> but but I love, I, I do, you know, it was a super fun movie to work on. If you go to the Bean Dip Productions channel, you could see an interview I did with Chris, uh, the director of the film. And um, I, I, again, kind of like the Mario thing, if you're a horror fan, I love how many little homages he plays to Dracula throughout the years. You know what I mean? Like there's so many nice little, right. he, he puts on Lon Chaney's London after midnight suit. The light scheming is much more hammer horror, all of the universal tie-ins. Like it's a love letter to Dracula. Right. And like, it's, it's just cool to watch it through that lens. Plus it's action packed, funny, gory. It feels almost like evil dead in a way. But that brings us to our next film that we're going to be talking about. That Chad- by the way, I'll be I'll be taking my father, eighty year old Melt, on a date to see Renfield this week, that and we're going for a double feature that, and we're going to see Evil Dead Rises as well. Oh, that's awesome! Rob is going. Which to one are you going to pay for? I'm like, what's that? Which one are you going to pay for? Just sneak in. I'll pay for the popcorn, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I also. Well, I- I- I was in this show that Rob's dad went ahead and watched. Like, Rob never says, you know, I'm in stuff and, like, it comes out and all that stuff. Rob doesn't say shit to me. But his dad's like, oh, I saw you in Florida, man. Good job. You paid for it. I haven't seen it yet. Toby, <laughs> saw you in that. That's great. Oh, you're in Florida, man, Keith? Yeah, yeah. So Okay. Well, cool. um, it's like he's in Florida, man. I mean, it, yeah. It's creepy. This is acting. This is acting, buddy. This is all acting stuff. I had heard you did a scene where you were like inside Florida, man. I think that's a 50 buck fine. Uh, I think (laughs) (laughs) point is I made a lot of stuff. My star, my star is rising, much like Evil Dead Rise. Uh rising inside Florida, man. Yes. That's definitely $50. I think I owe you 50 bucks. Chad, it's an expensive podcast. (laughs) Chad, what did you think about Evil Dead Rise? (laughs) So, this, I I love this movie a lot. It's not um, funny like the Evil Dead's. It is definitely in the Evil Dead universe, Necronomicon, Deadites, thing like that, things like that, gory, but none of that f- funny stuff is there. Not even like a little bit, really. Uh, which, trust me, I'm fine with that. Like, Evil Dead Two is probably my least favorite out of all of them. Like, I like them all, but Evil Dead Two is my least favorite because it's the it's the craziest. It's like over the top, 
you know, super weird, super, super comedy horror, things like that. But, you know, one of the things we talked about when we were talking about the trailer is that they give us everything in the trailer. Cause it was just like horror shot after horror shot. And they, they did not give us all the terror away in, in the trailers. I mean, there's, there's more to it in, in that uh, it was unrelenting and, you know, and once it, it got going, it, it did not let up. Um, they don't shy away from the deaths of certain characters and things that happen in the movie. Like it, they really go for the jugular in That's this awesome. movie. Uh, I dug it. You know, I, I really like the the change of venue as well. Yeah. There, you know, there's the shot where it's like, you know, the same Raimi cam where, you know, it's going through the woods, you know, uh, on the ground. Uh, there's a shot like that, but it's like on concrete, you know, like on mm. a on a road leading up to the to the high rise. So, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, we haven't seen something like that. I, I mean, that's super cool. There's a lot of cool stuff like that. The the lady in the trailer, the mom, she it's like she's amazing in this movie uh, again you see it in the trailer but like she is awesome how good she is in this but uh it's one of the best title cards i've ever seen in a movie when it says evil dead rise mm. you watch it keith you'll know what i'm talking about it was awesome but yeah thumbs up i i, I dug it i can't wait i can't wait i i, I just i think it's so brilliant to take that well-established horror franchise and Predator to it. Let's take it somewhere else. You know what I mean? I think that's a lot of horror movies, I think, can benefit from that. I mean, look how good Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan is. So, you know, all that good stuff. Chad, you don't have anything to say about that? Uh, no, I'm not a big fan of Jason Takes Manhattan. Nope. What about the Muppets? The Muppets Take Manhattan was pretty good, though. They did. Yeah, it was fine, too. You know, mine's a great Muppet caper. That's the one I like. <laughs> good point. <laughs> that is a solid one. Um, uh, so, okay. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, since we're talking about movies that I want to see, like evil dead rise, let's talk about some other stuff that's coming out that I want to see. So let's bring on some trailer music. Um, so first and foremost, star Wars celebration happened. And all the news, we could do a whole other episode of that, but Rob doesn't know what any of those things mean, so we won't. So uh, instead, we are going to talk about one of the trailers that we saw. Um, after the fall of the Galactic Empire, former Jedi Knight Ahsoka Tano investigates an emerging threat to a vulnerable galaxy. This television series stars Wes Chatham, Rosario Dawson, Hayden Christensen, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Lars Mickelson, Natasha Lou Bordizo, Ray Stevenson, Ivana Sokno, David Tennant, Iman Esfandi, and Diana Lee Inasanto, or Diana Lee Inasanto, the daughter of Danny Nasanto, the nunchuck really? master himself. Oh. Yeah. So um, I can't wait. This is, of course, Ahsoka. Chad, what did you think about the trailer for Ahsoka? It looks super dope. I, I love how you alluded to it earlier when we were kind of talking. This looks like Rebels season five, but live action to yeah. a degree. I mean, you've got all the Rebels there. Again, we didn't see Zeb, but we've seen Zeb. So I, I feel like he's probably going to show up. You know, the only thing is, we just got to get the crew together. You know, I think that's, that's super cool. As far as Ahsoka goes with star Wars as a whole, if you don't count the, the main movies, my two favorite characters that are not a part of the main movie canon, if you will, is Thrawn from, because heir to the empire is like my favorite novel of all time. Thrawn is incredible. 
and Ahsoka, mm-hmm. you know, from Clone Wars and then everything else she's done. Yeah. So those are my two favorite non-main cast Star Wars characters. And we're right there, you know, in this. I'm so looking forward to this. Uh, Ray Stevenson looks awesome. Oh, in this. oh my God. Is, yeah, that looks so phenomenal. Cool. Yeah, he looks great. I, I can't wait for this. And I know also that Rob can't wait for it because of we saw the cameo of Mon Mothra, Mon Mothra. Mothra from Andor. So you got to be pumped about that, Keith, Rob, right? I like the Mothra. I like the crossover. Me too. That would be Mon amazing. Mothra to Godzilla. Yeah. Mon Mothra. That'd be, yeah. phenomenal. That'd be phenomenal. Just bring them all together. I thought it looked great. You know, again, I, I thought Ahsoka's introduction in The Mandalorian Season 2 that was one of my favorite episodes. I just love that. Just the darkness of it. Just the edginess. I thought she, she can't. She's such a good actress. And there was just such a, a weight to her character and a darkness and a and just a specificity of intent. I just loved it. Um, the trailer, fuck, the trailer was awesome. I was in such a pissy Mandalorian mood. I was like, I'm done with Star Wars. Screw you. And then I saw this, like, God damn it. It looks amazing. And um, everything about it. Just um, sort of the best of the Mandalorian tones to me mixed in with a little bit of Andor, tying all those worlds together. And then Ray Stevenson, who I fucking love. This dude is always great. I didn't even recognize him at first. I, I was, uh, somebody said, look like Clooney on steroids. I mean, he just looks like a badass. I can't wait to see that character. That looks phenomenal. And then, I, again, Thrawn, I, don't, I only know Thrawn from people's discussions hearing about it. Um, but the actor, Lars... Uh, Mickelson. What's his name, brother? Mickelson. Mickelson, yeah. I loved him. He he had a uh, he had one of the uh, one of the uh, he was the bad guy in one of the arcs of Sherlock with Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh yeah, he was phenomenal, terrifying. And um, when I realized that's who it was, that's are you shitting me? This yeah, this can't get here fast enough. It looked phenomenal. Yeah, he is my favorite characters from uh, Star Wars, and this is across all Star Wars are Ahsoka Tano, Cad Bane, and Ventress. Like those oh, are my three, um, and. Ahsoka the, and Cad Bane are the only two we've gotten in live action. I think there's so much rich texture that those characters have that I kind of think this season of Ahsoka is going to be the trope of we got to get the band back together. I think that's what the show is going to be. Yep. Excuse me. And um, I'm here for it. It looked incredible. It looked so fun. Lars Mikkelsen as embodying that character. He was so terrifying in Rebels. Just his soft-spokenness about everything he fucking did was horrific. And so I can't wait to see all of that. Uh, plus, they're giving you everything you want. They're saying the line, heir to the Empire, exactly. in the trailer. Filoni's like, all right, we, we fucked around with some Andor bullshit. Now it's time for <laughs> Star Wars. Um, and then even his dick has a cowboy hat on it as he slaps it on the table. But that's fine with me. I'm, I'm excited about it. I'll go on as many voyages as he's willing to take me. And that takes us to our next trailer that we're going to talk about. A new horror film by Universal and DreamWorks, surprisingly, directed by Andre Overdahl, uh, written by Bragi F. Shoot, Zach Oikovitz, Bram Stoker uh, is included in the writing credits. It stars Corey Hawkins, Isling French, uh, Francis. Oh, my God. Hold on. Let me try that one again. 
Aisling, Franciosi, Liam Cunningham, David Demolchin, Chris Wally, John John Brion, Stefan Kapachik, Martin Furlund, Nikolai Nikolev, uh, Woody Norman, Javier Botet, who uh, you might know as the Leper Man from It, uh, Graham Turner, uh, Niccolo Pacetti, Christopher York, Nuruddin Farhari, uh, Adam Shaw. Well, that's and enough. That's Sally plenty. Jesus Reeve. Christ, are you fucking kidding me? All I recognize are you, are you trying to get down to your name, Keith? Yeah, okay, exactly. Is that what you're doing? You, you, uh, all I recognized was David Dalmachian. How do you pronounce his last name? David, Dal- David Dalmachian? Oh, that's Dalmachian. Uh, <laughs> based on a single chapter, <laughs> the captain's log from Bram Stoker's classic 1897 novel, Dracula, this story is set aboard the Russian schooner, the Demeter, which was charted to carry private cargo, 24 unmarked wooden crates from Carpathia to London. This film will detail the strange events that befell the doomed crew as they attempt to survive the ocean voyage, stalked each night by a terrifying presence on board the ship. When it finally arrived near Whitby Harbor, it was derelict. There was no trace of the crew and no survivors save one. This is the last voyage of the Demeter. Uh, Chad, how did you feel about this trailer? I felt like it was going to be pretty good to you. Spoiled the whole movie right there, Keith. Like everybody died. Jeez, thanks a lot, dude. I know we do spoilers on this podcast, but not for movies none of us have seen. Thank goodness gracious. Just because you're in this one too doesn't mean you can spoil it for everybody. Uh, it would be cool if I just got all the Dracula movies and win. That would be that would be fun. So uh, Liam Cunningham is like the captain of this. He's in Game of Thrones, so I'm already on board. I love Game of Thrones. Um, This looks creepy. Uh, It was a perfect use of the Smashing Pumpkin song. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, it was great. Um, Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna check this out. I mean, it's Dracula. It's not Nick Cage, but uh, it's more of a Nosferatu type looking Dracula. Yeah. So I'm down. Rob, what about you? I've always liked this story. You know, I've heard this story. And seen it done quite a few times. Not about three, four years ago, I, I'm losing track of time because of the pandemic. But right after the last Sherlock, the BBC did a three episode arc of this, which I thought was what I loved. I thought it was very, very good. And um, the guy who played Dracula, mm-hmm. I heard people discussing a couple of days ago who should be doomed. This guy who played Dracula, that thing should be doomed. I can't think of his name right now. But this looked good. But it, it did. When I was watching it, it felt like it was something on like AMC. It felt like an AMC show. Yeah. If it felt like an FX show, but it, it didn't necessarily specify whether it was gonna be theatrical. Maybe they haven't decided if it's gonna be theatrical or not. So, yeah. but I thought it looked good. Period wise, it looked it looked it looked great. I mean, it's a good story. It looks like it's well cast. Yeah, um, yeah I always I love the story. Yeah, and you're right. I love the Nosfer- the Nosferatu esque vampire take on that. It was great. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think it looks great as well. I think it's you know a lot of times when they adapt something. You're like, it's a 14-page piece. How the fuck are you going to make that a two-and-a-half-hour oh, wow. movie? Wow. But this but this sort of, like, makes sense. If, if we're looking for a new way to bring the Dracula story to life without fucking up anything else that happens, this is a perfect right in the middle of it. You know what I mean? Um, and so I think it's a genius thing to tell the story of. Uh, and I also think it's going to be one of those things where the people who aren't super familiar with the source material might have some surprises in store for them, you know, uh, and people that 
it will be also one of those things that if you are familiar with the source material, what surprises are they going to put in there for you? So I, I, I'm here. I, I can't I can't wait for it. Um, I'm excited to be a part of that world, but probably not as excited as I am to be a part of this next character's world. Uh, to live in Barbie land is to be a perfect being in a perfect place unless you have a full on existential crisis or you're akin. Directed by Greta Gerwig, written by Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig. This film stars Margot Robbie, uh, Ariana Greenblatt, Ryan Gosling, Helen Mirren, Emma Mackey, Will Ferrell, Nicholas Culkin, Simu Liu, Michael Sarah, John Cena, Hari Neff, Kate McKinnon, Rhea Perlman, Kingsley Ben Air, Alexandra Ship, America Ferrera, Ridu Araya, and Emerald Fennell. This is, of course, Barbie. Chad. Are you a Barbie girl in a Barbie world? Are you plant? Are you plastic? Is it fantastic? Tell me how you feel. <laughs> I'm going to watch this movie. A hundred percent. I'm going to watch this movie at the theater. Uh, when it was like first announced, I like Greta Gerwig, but uh, it's a Barbie movie. You know what are they going to do? But this trailer, hundred percent, sold me on it. It was very fun, very funny. It gave me some. Uh, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar vibes. Uh, you know, it's kind of just like irreverent humor. It's just, it looks so good. Ryan Gosling, when he's asking Barbie to spend the night, but then he doesn't really know why. It's awesome. it's hilarious. Awesome. They're gonna they're they're gonna take a lot of these things that we've all made fun of our entire lives with, you know, Barbie and things like that, or you've noticed about Barbie, like you know, just from the first shot where she steps out of the heels. And still her feet are shaped just like Barbie's feet. It's like, I feel like they've got this. I, I mm-hmm. feel like they've nailed it. So I'm on board for sure. Rob, um, I know you're a big fan of Barbies in general. How are you feeling about this? I can't wait to take this movie home and brush its hair mm-hmm. and shave its head and throw in a pile of Barbies. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I loved it. I, I, I Look, I'm a big fan of Greta Gorig. I love her perspective on things like, you know, you know, it's going to come out of a completely different angle. It's going to subvert expectations. Gosling is great, but Gosling, like a lot of actors, I always go in thinking, you know, it's going to be fine. And then he always steals the movie. Gosling will steal this movie from everybody. Just because he's that good. He's that grounded. He, his comedic timing is excellent. It's going to be Gosling's movie to take. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I don't think the joke in the trailer went over as well as people thought. Uh, I'm gonna beat you off. It it kind of it kind of went on like it was a little. It's it was like it, it's. I was like, I get it. It's just. Yeah. I don't know if it kind of played the way they thought it was, but maybe the that's pun guy. Over. You're the yeah. pun guy. Yeah, this I know. So you're thinking I'm pretty. You know, I could. You know, pretty, is it too subtle tough. for you? Is that what it was? <laughs> I don't think it hit hard enough. No. <laughs> uh, but um, but it looks great. It looks great. Absolutely agreed. I think that it's. You know, what a ballsy thing for Mattel to do. That would be like walking up to David Lynch and be like, make a Transformers movie. You could do anything you want. I would be fucking terrified of what that man produced if that was my intellectual property. And so you're getting Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig to write your Barbie movie and then just letting them have carte blanche. That's that's amazing. What kind of trust do you have? You know what I mean? So I fear would be that they'd make it. And it would it would be released by A24. If you're yeah. like A24, it's Barbie. I mean, I, that's, I, that's what oh, it feels no. like. Yeah. It feels like that level of clever quality filmmaking. So I am here <laughs> for it. 
in every way. I cannot wait for this movie. Uh, and plus, I love Margot Robbie. I just think she's absolutely yeah. incredible. Oh my god! I've never seen something where she she let me down. It's it's almost mystical and magical what she does. You know what so I mean? Question I have for both of you guys: Will it show her boobs in this movie without nipples? Oh, I think, ooh, I hope, but I think that's probably pushing it too far. Oh my god! There, there's probably going to be like a nude scene, but I bet it would be Ryan Gosling without a without a dick. Let this question. Like- <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, would you expect? <laughs> I mean, I and I'm going to be so pissed about it. <laughs> going to be livid. I'm going to be so livid about it. I think Margot Robbie. I think she's not going to be playing. What's what's the character in DC anymore? Harley so I think, Quinn. I think I think she should jump to Marvel and do a Sue Storm. I think that would be absolutely, yep. I, I can think of 50 million reasons <laughs> that should happen. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I think it's phenomenal. But but speaking of DC, let's go ahead and talk about our next film, directed by Angel Manuel Soto, written by Gareth Donald Ocoser, uh, starring Susan Sarandon, Harvey Guyen, Sholo Maraduña, Bruna Marquinze, Raul Max Trujillo, uh, El, P- uh, El Padilla... Carrillo, George Lopez, Damian Alcazar, Belisa Escobedo, Gabriela Ortiz, um, Adriana Barraza. Brianna Quinn Lewis is a local Atlanta actress who's also in Renfield. Oshun awesome. Ramirez, uh, Bridget Michelle Bentley, Jorge Jimenez, Lavelle Gates, and Paris Du, and Walter J. Buck. This is, of course, the DCU film Blue Beetle. A Mexican teenager finds an alien beetle that gives him super-powered armor. Chad, what'd you think about the first trailer introducing us to Jaime and introducing us to the Blue Beetle? You know, this this gave me some, in a good way, Miss Marvel vibes. Yeah. And I hope that maybe they are taking some something from the Miss Marvel show to to put this in here. Uh, I, I like Cholo. He he's uh, one of the main characters in Cobra Kai. Shout out Cobra Kai. He's super charismatic. So I'm a fan of his, you know, I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for this movie. Um, I'm definitely going to check it out. Um, I think that he is a very good version of the Jaime Blue Beetle. So I I think they're spot on with the casting with this. It it works. I hope it's not going to fall into the same issues that Shazam has. Like, is this not a part of the universe and we don't care? So we're not going to watch it. And also we're just dumping it. You know, we don't, we're not going to promote it like that. So I hope not, uh, but I hope it's good. And uh, like I said, I hope because I'm getting the, some Miss Marvel vibes. I hope it's Miss Marvel-esque. They really need to, they really need to sort of start planting seeds as if this is the first of the new world, regardless. They need to start, whether it is or not, they need to covertly put that out there to start playing with people's minds. I thought it looked kind of fun. I mean, it felt, not that it didn't feel 80s-esque. It felt, in a strange way, simple in its storytelling. Uh, sort of an uh, Iron Man meets Upgrade, in a way, alien-type thing. I tell you, George Lopez. I, I, I've been aware of Joe, Lo, Joe Lopez. George Lopez forever, and his brother Joe's great. Uh, I thought he stole this trailer. I thought he was so goddamn funny, his no. timing in this trailer. I hope he's got a huge part in this thing. I hope he is there commenting on this thing the whole time i thought he was great i i that to me he made and there was a lot of good stuff about the trailer 
I would that's sort of what put it over for me. I was like, the sense of humor in this seems really cool. So yeah, I absolutely. I I feel it, it feels fun, it feels flashy and flary in all the ways that it needs to be. You know, I, I think the character Jaime is a fantastic character, but I'm more familiar with him from like the animated stuff than anything else, I would say, probably. Um, but this seems like it's laden with a lot of Blue Beetle stuff because he had Ted Corb's ship. Like even yeah. looking at IMDb, Brianna's playing uh, Corb, a Corb secretary. So I wonder how much of that they're going to incorporate. Seeing Susan, you get Susan Sarandon as your bad guy. Yeah, cool. sign, sign me the fuck up. And there's also a lot of you know talk about Ezra Miller and her working together on this project. So I wonder if Ezra Miller shows up. So we'll you know we'll find out. I think this movie's going to have a big punch and a big. Uh, potential to be something very impactful and it looks just super fun it's got like everything i would want in a superhero movie right then and there but speaking of superhero movies we can marvel at let's go ahead and talk about the next one uh directed by nia da costa who i absolutely love written by gene colin nia da costa and Alyssa karasik it stars brie larson zawe ashton iman valani samuel l jackson tiana paris park sojun caroline simonet mohan kapoor zenobia shroff cigar uh cigar shahik jessica jow emily ng and luke dixie uh kei ichimura jonathan cope colin stanley Vinod Diwali and Kamara Benjamin Barnett. Uh, this is, of course, the Marvels. Uh, Carol Danvers gets her powers entangled with those of Kamala Khan and Monica Brambeau, forcing them to work together to save the universe. Chad, what did you think about our first trailer for the Marvels? Uh, I thought Kamala stole the trailer. And I really like the fact that, at least in the trailer, which is a teaser, we're seeing her family a good bit. Oh, now, whether or not they're going to be in the, the movie a lot, uh, I, I like the fact that her family is a part of this because her family is a great piece of Miss Marvel. And, you know, we, we see a lot, a lot of the family in the trailer, the, even some of the times when Brie Larson shows up, the family's there or she's dressed up, you know, all this stuff. I hope that that's a decent part of it. But I still think, end of the day, Kamala's going to steal this movie just like she stole this trailer. Uh, she's awesome. She is so rootable in every way possible. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this, for sure. Sign me up. Rob, what about you? Yeah, if you look at the characters that surround Monica Rambeau, Carol Danvers, and uh, Amon Vellani, um, um, her family is the most enjoyable and the most watchable of all the surrounding characters I, I think that kind of encompass those characters worlds and that's i think they were very very smart to make it a big part of it because and also too because you know for those people for people who watch the movies they'll be familiar with carol danvers they won't necessarily they sort of have to reintroduce you know miss marvel and and uh and uh jesus christ uh oh, um to the people who only seen the movies because those characters have only been on the tv shows right yeah. So, far. Um, so it's an interesting balancing act they have to play a little bit. But I think the trailer did that. I also think Carol. I I, I think Carol Danvers. Uh, what's her name? The actress. I just the Brie Larson. Brie Larson is really funny. It just in life, life in general, and they it didn't really get to show her personality in the first movie, which I think really hurt her in the eyes of the public a little bit. And it's nice to see her kind of playing, even if just a little bit playing. I think the next three trailers will be. They'll slowly balance it out a little more, but um, 
It looked fun. I, I don't understand necessarily 100% timeline-wise where it is, which is fine. I mean, I that that'll all fall into place wherever it needs to be. I just having I knowing full well that Secret Secret Wars is coming out or Secret Invasion. I'm sorry, Secret, Secret Invasion. Yeah. And seeing those two sort of juxtaposed against each other, where you see the world is a threat, Samuel L. Jackson, then Samuel L. Jackson knocking on the door of a Mondalani's house. So it's it's a little odd those two juxtaposed for me, but it looks it looks like a shitload of fun. But it looks like the good type of fun. It looks like the effects look good. It looks like it's 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 out in space. It's all it it looks like a lot of fun. Anyway, that's my that's my uh, spiel. Thank and what a wonderful spiel it was. I think like to me. I love Nita Costa as a director. I've only seen one film of hers, and it's the Candyman, the newest one. And I was floored by how well it was done. Uh, just her use of of camera, just her tone, the way the actors she she chose to work with, all of it was incredible. So that plus hearing her excitement for this project, it puts me on board a million percent. I also think an interesting thing to play with, excuse me, here is that. Carol's world at this point is outer space. She doesn't know anybody left on Earth, really, um, at least from her personal life. She's been gone for 30-something years, right, other than her brief encounter with Endgame. Uh, Monica's life is rooted in the military, rooted, rooted in these agencies. She was gone for five years. Her closest uh, you know, counterpart was her mother, who has now passed away. So she leads a very specific life that is not space-driven, but it's that espionage thing. And now we have Amon Vellani's character, who is completely Earth-ridden. So blending those three together and seeing the hijinks as these three worlds combined, I think it just produces a lot of fun. I agree with Rob. Oh, God, it hurt. I almost threw up saying it. Um, that spill it, baby, spill it. Come on, yeah. Uh, Brie Larson, I think, is an amazing actress, and she could play comedy really well. And to see what she's going to go through, I'm excited. I think it's just going to be so much fun to see how this all roots together and how it all forms. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I can't wait to see it. Um, but speaking of things that help form things and universes that we know. Next, we're going to talk about a TV show. It's actually three movies that are going to be on Peacock in September of 2023, um, created by Greg Coolidge, Sean Simmons, and Kirk Ward. It stars Mel Gibson, Colin Woodall, um, Peter Green, Nahung Kate, uh, Katie McGrath, Jessica Elaine, Jeremy Bob, Adam Shapiro, Ayaminde Adegun, Sally Garnett, Ray McKinnon, Ben Robson, Vreg Barani, Marina Mazipa, Michelle Prada, Claire Cooper, Simon Wan, and Marsha Nicole. This is The Continental from the world of John Wick. The Continental is a chain of hotels located all around the world that function as a neutral territory for members of the criminal underworld. They are frequented by many hitmen and notorious murderers. Chad, what did you think about the trailer for The Continental? Well, it's a big plus to me that it is three episodes, whether they're movie length, so yeah. be it, you know, so I, I'm not ready to like jump into a 10 episode season, the Continental, but I like the idea of the Continental. I like when bad guys have rules that they actually follow. I, so I kind of like that, that aspect of it. I like this world that they built. That being said, I'm going to reserve judgment because I feel like the trailer didn't really show us anything. We know it's the Continental, and I believe uh, one of the characters is playing uh, Ian McShane's uh, character, younger. Um, so 
I'm more than likely I'll probably watch this, but I am going to, to reserve judgment until I see more. Uh, will there be fight scenes? Will they be good fight scenes, or is it more just, you know, behind the scenes machinations, things like that? Like, what is this show really about? So, we'll see. Yep. Uh, Praga, what about you? Yeah, it looked pretty cool. I mean, it's we were talking earlier how it's obviously you see it's in the hands of a different filmmaker, uh, so the visual style is a little different, but it's also more of a period piece. I want to say how, how long, 30, 40 years earlier? It was about 30 years earlier. Yeah. In the 70s, whatever it was. Um, look good. I mean, I, I, you know, they really drew us into the world and the continental became such an exciting place to visit. You want to spend, I wanted to spend as much time in there as I did want to see him fighting on the outside when, you know, just going there for respite was such a fun, you're on edge, you don't know really what's going to happen. And like Chad said, it's cool when they follow the fucking rules because then, there are repercussions for breaking the rules and even the bad guys have repercussions, which is, which is great. So um, I will definitely watch this. I'm, I, you know, rumors are that Keanu Reeves may make an appearance at, at some point in it. Um, I know Gibson's in it. I, I don't recall what did it say. Is he playing? What He's not playing. What's his name's part. It's uh, no, but he, it, he is listed as all three episodes. Yeah. Um, so. Um, so that should be interesting. And um, but again, you know, think what you want to, he's still great at what he does. Um mm. Uh, it's a three it's it's like three mini movies right is that how they're doing it yeah i mean there's no way in hell i'm not watching this how bad it would have to be so bad (laughs) yeah to not i mean it would have to be just like the worst thing ever it's not going to be the worst thing ever absolutely Um, i've seen that i've seen the worst yeah that's probably movie i directed this this will not be it oh ray mckinnon who you mentioned another you know based out of here as a filmmaker which you know we're aware of it and what people might not know is him he and walt goggins who everybody's aware of Won the Academy Award for Best Short Film a decade and a half ago, two decades ago, for a short film called The Accountant. And they're yeah. Academy Award-winning uh, filmmakers and actors. So, uh, and really cool people and very successful. And we we hold them in high esteem. Did you work with uh, you work with Goggins or a uh, or a uh, um, um, Jesus Christ McKinnon? McKinnon? No, no, my career is not that good yet. We'll, gotcha. We'll someday, get there. someday. Someday. Um, I need more people to see Florida Man. Really. Uh, I think to me. Trailer for Continental didn't show me a lot. Like, it's more vibes. You know what I mean? Um, so there's not really a lot to go on. I always think your second installment into expanding a universe is always the most difficult because is that going to catch on? Is this going to get the same? You know, Fantastic Beasts never really achieved the fame that Harry Potter did, right? Um, so as we veer off can we bring that audience with us or can we introduce new people to the the property john wick is a beloved thing but john wick is a beloved thing because of keanu reeves and because of the action and if you're not going to have either one of those things is that world and that storyline enough to translate to viewership i don't know we'll see it's difficult to build a shared universe something that our next property knows all too well and uh it's a teaser uh, I, I I asked if we could do it. Chad didn't say no, so I'm assuming it was okay. Directed by Adam Lingard, written by Simon Barrett, Terry Rossio, and Jeremy Slater. This stars Dan Stevens, Rebecca Hall, Brian Tyree Henry, Rachel House, Alex Ferns, Kaylee uh, Hoddle, Fela Chen, Marcy Cromwell, Nicola Creasa, Olivia Simatovic, Jordy Campbell, Angie Adler-Coops, um, and Jacob Hawua. Plus, of course, Godzilla and King Kong. This is Godzilla X Kong, the new empire. The plot is kept under wraps. 
you get a couple glimpses of a couple of monsters. Chad, how are you feeling about this teaser for Godzilla X Kong? Pass. Go ahead, Rob. You can talk about it. I fucking hated it. <laughs> Fuck, you know, a couple of years ago, about three or four years ago, I saw a roundtable, one of the Hollywood roundtables, and they were talking to the uh, the higher ups in some of the studios. And uh, the uh, the guy, the main guy over at Netflix, they were talking to him. The question was, you know, how do you feel about sitting at a table here with your competitors, you know, Amazon Prime and, you know, the studios? And he said, you know, all, all due respect to the people at this table, but they're not my biggest competitors. I, you know, the, 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 what really takes a lot of our money in our, is the video game world, is the, the gamers. There's more money in the gaming world with gamers, and they take so much a huge part of this online space, and everybody at the table agreed with them. And I looked at this, the opening to this fucking teaser thing, and I thought, I thought what I was looking at was just the logo. That's what it looked like color-wise and the way it moved. And then I realized that was a teaser, and I went, that looked like a shitty fucking video game to me. And, and, and I realized, you know, as, listen, hearkening back to that comment he made, as video games get more and more, try to get more realistic in the way they look, I think movies are, 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 are trying to meet them in the middle, and that pisses me off. And this looked like a video game, and it makes me not want to see this fucking piece of shit movie. If it looks anything, if the colors, if the shots look anything like this, hunk of shit that looks like I got to throw a quarter into to fucking move a monkey around, then there's no way in hell I will see this absolute piece of shit that Keith is sitting back going, oh, but you don't understand gravitas and oh, and the E. Yeah, okay. So first tell of me, all, tell me how great this fucking piece of shit was. <laughs> I got three points. I got three points. Now, coming uh, out of your ass is where they're coming. One. Rob and I, Rob and I have a personal bet that he's lost twice tonight alone. Uh, I paid on one of them. That's all you're getting. Yeah. No, I, I was going to let you slide on the second one. I'm not now. <laughs> Secondly, <laughs> uh, welcome to old man yells at clouds because he doesn't understand the way the world <laughs> operates now. <laughs> Thirdly, this is King motherfucking Kong and God fucking Zilla. It's real to me, damn it. Godzilla was doing a colonoscopy video. I would watch it and praise it because those characters are worth that praise. A monster movie should get you excited. Yeah, it's a teaser. It's a teaser. It's not what the fucking movie is. Did you not hear that? I don't feel teased. I feel it's insulted. not even a teaser. That's not a teaser. A logo. It's just a title. It's a title reveal. And a gorilla teaser. You saw a gorilla monster that was not King Kong. Yeah. I mean, it's awful. Keith, it's terrible. They shouldn't show anything. We didn't really see anything at all. Scaring my puppy. We saw the title reveal. Like, I'm going to watch this movie. I like Godzilla and King Kong. I'm excited about the movie. The last one was was a title reveal. That's all that was. Awful. You saw a gorilla. It, it's a gorilla. We we. It's not it, Kong. It, yeah, it's, but, it's somebody else. Yeah, but it, I mean, it didn't have like spiky hair. It's nothing new. How do you know? It was just a giant ape sitting in a in a chair with a different well, color and without the, the scar. Different color because it was video game colors, Keith. No, I think I think it was fancy Kong. fancy bullshit. What that was at the end when it showed like the two skulls, the Godzilla oh, skull and the Kong up. skull, oh, was implying that it's a different. Yeah, you know, thing or whatever, but it still it gave us nothing, like nothing. Well, it gave all. me an erection. I don't know what the fuck's <laughs> wrong with you guys. <laughs> Ridiculous. Just, I, I watched it. I was mad. I was like, I can't believe it. 
ridiculous. What is really our man? I just said what is Godzilla X Kong? What is it? What's the X now? V isn't good enough with the kids. You got to put the X in there. These kids today, well, they're that they're not fighting anymore. Yeah, we'll see. It's Godzilla and Kong. <laughs> the new Empire. I want to see him fighting. Then what's the point? <laughs> There's a whole movie about them fighting. We got I, two of those. Yeah, I don't know. What the point? They got to team up to fight this apparently super gorilla that keeps yeah has a has new a new empire. Yeah, super yeah, that, that gorilla. The space gorilla. invaders and next is the first asteroids. And I'm like, it's great. I don't. At least he named two video games. Both those games were 58 years That's old. All I can remember. And they're gonna play pinball. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot. <laughs> I hated it. A video game. I mean, I didn't hate it. There's just nothing to it. I don't. Uh, Rob, really? Wow. Shut up, Chad. I hate it. <laughs> It's the best reviews of our podcast ever. I hated it. There was nothing to it. Uh, but speaking of our podcast, uh, Chad, where can the people find you at the podcast? Is it over already? Over already. I don't want to talk anymore. I'm doing stupid video. Uh, owe me 50 more dollars. You can't prove the second one was uh, had any intent. I edit this. I can <laughs> No photoshopping, no 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 ADRing my shit. Um, you got your money, enjoy it. That's all uh, I care about. Yeah, so doing? you can find me on Twitter, NQC Podcast, and Instagram, NQC Podcast. I don't mind. Uh, Rob, other than off the rails where this podcast is gone, where can people find you? You can find me uh, on Twitter, I guess. It's at Rob Pralgo. Is it? I don't even know what my Twitter handle is right now. Whatever it is, it's the same as my Instagram handle. So find me there. I got four pictures. Mm-hmm. Or you can find me on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, that's it. Yeah, you know, there you go. Absolutely. I also think Twitter's there. Aren't they just changing their name to X? I hope I'm, so. I'm not even joking. I think it's really what they're doing. Uh, um, so you can find them on X. I guess that's that'd be cool. Rob X Twitter because Rob and Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> it works pretty well awesome uh and if you want to find me don't uh thanks next time we tune in we're gonna have guardians of the galaxy volume three i think it opens in 10 days from now when we're recording yeah. this. and uh and we'll probably talk about uh other stuff i guess oh i didn't get in a little mention of picard which wrapped up yesterday on uh this season three just saying uh these guys haven't watched it yet so no i don't want to even throw any spoilers out here they have the, the two of these guys have ingested way more Star Trek than I have. I was more of a uh, the original series guy. The only really episodes of Next Generation were when Chad said, "Rob, I think you'll like this one." He would literally dole out the ones he knew me so well, which ones I would like were great. Um, season one of Picard was ass. Season two I couldn't get through. Season three, from top to bottom, is my favorite Star Trek story arc. It is up there with some of the best movies. It's up there with some of the best episodes and seasons that I've seen. Um, It is so freaking good. There was no bad episode. There was no letdown for me. There are some that are better than others, but it is, I cannot, I'm looking forward for you guys to watch this because I think your enjoyment will be off the charts on this. So folks, go watch. You can go binge it now. Every episode of Picard season three is on Paramount Plus and it's awesome. I can't wait. Unlike Rob, who an hour and 43 minutes into the show, um, when we've had whole sections where we're doing reviews, we're literally in the last second. By the way, I watched 16 things. That is literally the latest you've ever waited. Far away before I go. The only way you could have waited longer is if it wasn't on the show. (laughs) But I got it. He's done that before, too, though, I think. After we finished, he's like, 
Oh yeah, I forgot to mention. I watched Baywatch Nights again. <laughs> Ridiculous. So go watch Picard and then we'll catch you guys next time. Peace. Not Quite Cool is a podcast recorded in Atlanta, Georgia in conjunction with Actors Teaching Actors and Bean Dip Productions.